Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Patty G Show. I am your host, Patty G. We are here with Michael Hackett. We're going to spend some time talking about starting your own business, buying into a business, then going back and working for someone after successfully operating a business, and then also the value of giving back in the community and seeing how all that kind of plays out and works together with Michael over here. But before we get started with that, thank you so much to our wonderful sponsors, Falaya Real Estate and Triton Stone Group. And without further ado, Michael, Welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have you on. We made this happen, and I'm excited right. to uh, excited to learn more about the the man, the myth, and the legend. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's awfully kind of you. <laughs> so, for those that may not be aware, who are you? Who is Michael Hackett? Well, I am uh, born and raised in Baton Rouge. Um, <clears throat> uh, actually, not far from here. Uh, in Stanford Place, it's probably only a mile and a, probably a mile. Stanford from here, Place, yeah, right off like of Stanford Avenue. A hop, where skip, I grew and up. jump yep. off Perkins. Yep. So I uh, went to Episcopal, um, graduated from Episcopal, and then uh, went to Ole Miss for uh, for school, and then um, bounced around a little bit. Lived in Memphis, and then decided to come back to Baton Rouge, and you know got started in a career and things have <laughs> happened crazily for right. me, but very, very fortunate, very happy. I love it. So what was that, that first job, that first career? Actually, well, ironically, the first job was for United Companies, United which companies. now GMFS where I currently work. Really? Yeah, in Memphis, Tennessee. So you made full circle. Full circle. I was uh, 22 right out of college in Memphis. And uh, and now I'm back at GMFS working for all those guys and, and loving every minute. I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I'm with age comes wisdom. I'm probably a lot better now than I was then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they saw the value you had back then to bring to the table and said, there's been so many years in between. We can only imagine what he's going to bring now. Right. I hope so. So you moved from GMFS and where, where did that next step take you? The next step, well, I, you know, I always had this entrepreneurial spirit. And so it was one of those things where um, my dad, who's a veterinarian, and I were talking. And uh, we had some land adjacent to his veterinary clinic. And this was back in, uh, shoot, the late uh, late 90s when I kind of started this process mm-hmm. of what we did. It, I, it, things in the veterinary world were really starting to explode. Um, right. You know, pet hotels and um, concierge type services for pets. And so I just started researching. Um, left United Company, started working in my dad's kennel again at 25 years old, uh, literally making $9 an hour again. Wow. Uh, did that for three years um, and just committed myself to learning as much as I could. And um you know, it, it was it was a long three years. I couldn't wait to get to open those doors. I could get to I, I get bet. to doing my own thing. But I learned a ton. You know, when I was a kid, maybe like like you were just saying when you were a kid, uh, I had to work in the kennel and walk dogs and mow the yard and do all that stuff. I couldn't stand it. I could. I just the summers were just off. I'd rather be at school than wake up at seven o'clock in the morning and 
you know, scrub kennels and all oh, that yeah. kind of stuff. So that's not, that's not an exciting thing to do. No, not when you're 15. No. You know, you don't want to be doing that. Of course and not. And so ironically, now I'm back at 25, 10 years later doing the exact same thing. But I had an end goal. That's and what so that, that's that, what the, made the it all The mentality changed. It did. So I knew, I knew I had to start over. I knew being an entrepreneur is going to be really difficult. Um, especially with a completely new, we were the first in the state of Louisiana to do this. So it was a new concept to have a higher price point for services for pets. So what, what was the concept that you were envisioning in your head at the time? We kept on calling it a pet hotel, pet hotel. <clears throat> we just okay. drove that home from, from day one. That's what, that's what it was. And you didn't see many of them when zero in Louisiana, and um, New York, Chicago, Dallas, and Houston, some of the bigger cities had them. And that's where I was getting, stealing ideas from. And then, um, you know, we just, it was a long road, but we made it happen. Gotcha. And so you had to, I mean, be willing to take that step backwards. I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure you went from, you know, being in Memphis to then back here to then taking that, that realization of you wanted to do something for yourself, right? That I wanted, I want to do something, but learn my values that I'd grown up doing and see if I can transform something I didn't like doing and make mm -hmm. that better for everybody else. Right. So taking that step backwards is anybody in life, not just an entrepreneur, but being willing to see that longer goal, that longer vision takes a lot of guts and a lot of courage. I mean, cause I'm sure everybody at 25 and you're telling them, Oh, I'm cleaning kennels, you know, for my yeah. dad at nine, 10 bucks an hour. I'm sure they're like, wait, what do you do? Like right. you just moved back from, you know, wherever you were, now you're back cleaning. Like, what are you doing, Michael? Right. And then you're going to do what? Yeah. And then how much is it going to cost? Right now I'm paying $8 a night to board my dog and you're going to charge me 50. <laughs> and I'll go, yeah, that's what we're going to do. So, so what was the, the idea behind, you know, cause it's, it's Pets Plaza is what the name turned out to mm -hmm. be. Mm -hmm. So when did you know it was time to kind of take that leap and start that? You know, I don't remember exactly, but it was, um, it was probably two years into the research and then, um, and, and I, I don't remember exactly how it happened. What I do remember is, was September 11, 2001 was the day we poured the slab. Okay. So that was a, uh, for everybody, obviously. Right. That's the day you remember exactly Every, what you were doing. Right. So that was the day, and I think I was 27 years old. So, uh, you, you know, that was pretty scary that we're doing this. And I mean, the world had bigger issues than my little worry, but, right, but it's still, but an still uncertainty. it's like, oh my it's God, like what anything in the can world? Happen now, right. Who right? knows what in the world, the, our world and our, what's it going to be like now? So that, that was really strange. And, um, but anyway, that's how it got started. Wow. Mm -hmm. So you got started in, like you said, you were selling a premium service mm -hmm. or a premium product to people. How did you go about kind of marketing that and attacking and getting your name out there? You know, one thing I've been fortunate with is connecting, um, uh, being able to connect with people. Um, and I, I like to talk and I like to tell people what I'm doing or what Patty G's doing or what. Right. I, I really, that's one of my strengths. And so it really did not take that much marketing effort. I was telling everybody I knew what was going on. Um, how it was going to happen, what it was going to look like. And um, that's just something that I've, I, not the smartest guy in the world, but that is something that I know how to do is uh, talk and, you know, try to do promotions right. for, for 
myself and then you know people I care about too. So that really was not that big of an issue. I did bounce, like I said before, I did bounce the idea off of people and they thought I was crazy. But, you know, I have good friends like, well, we'll support you. We'll pay that $42 increase. <laughs> maybe once maybe. or twice. <laughs> right. We'll see how it goes. But anyway. Okay. So you're, you're, you're running this, this premium pets business, and then you made a shift after that. What was that next step after Pets Plaza? So um, really it was 16 years later, um, I got a, a phone call that a, a wonderful company in uh, – Denver, Colorado was interested in purchasing us. And um, I had a friend, ironically, in Memphis as well that was doing the same thing that kind of hooked me up with this company. The company called me and um, it was just a, a thing that it was time for us to, for, for me to move on and do something, do something different. And so I really took advantage of that situation. Um, and it was just the right time and the, the right company and um, you know, it's been the right decision for me personally. Yeah. And that's every entrepreneur always has that thought in the back of their head, right? One day we could get acquired. One right. day someone could come around and buy us. No, they never, not everyone is seeking that opportunity. Right. They're not seeking out, oh, I got to build this brand to a certain size and then flip it around and sell it. Right. But it's still in the back of their head. Someone could come up to me and buy it. What is that? You know, they always got to have what's that price? Well, everyone says not everything's for sale. Well, everything's for sale right. with the right price, right? right? And so my, it's just you a know, matter my of, thought was I, it never even entered my mind. My whole, um, I continued to want to do. I was trying to build more and more and more. Okay, so you wanted so, to go like an expansion and yeah, get more bit more. I just wanted to do more. That was what my goal was. But then when you get that phone call, it's like, oh, maybe I should look at this. Yeah. And so I did. Because, I mean, as, as like, like we said before, entrepreneurship's not easy. No, it's Running not. your own business is not an easy it's task. It's not easy, yeah. And then you, when you get that phone call, you kind of start to reevaluate, all right, is it, is it worth the speed I'm running to continue? Or is now the time to maybe reassess my personal life outside of the business and say, hey, this could be a good decision? Yeah. You know, it, for 16 years, I never turned off my phone. Yeah. Including my honeymoon, including wow. Christmas morning. You know, it, it was, it is, you know, you're responsible for people's babies, literally. And mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, I, I took that really very serious and, uh, you know, did the best I could, obviously. But um, it was, once I started thinking about that, oh, what is a, what does a July 4th look like now? It was yeah, intriguing. What does like, July 4th look mean, like not answering the phone? Right. Um, so that really entered the picture as well. Like, man, maybe I can breathe a little bit, you know, and don't get me wrong. It was wonderful. And, uh, I'm so glad I did it, but you know, it just, things start like, Oh, maybe this, this looks different. Yeah. Maybe I don't have to continually picture not being able to leave the country or go right. on an extended vacation where I don't have cell service. Right. Maybe I can now reevaluate all of that and say, what does, what does a weekend at home look like? Right. Not even going on a trip or doing anything else. What does a weekend at home <laughs> right. look like without with having kids? A, yeah, with your kids. What, is, the what does that weekend yeah. at home look like? Right. You know, what is throwing the ball with right. not a care in the not world of, you know, is someone going to call? Is someone going to shoot me an email? You right. know, is right. the building going to burn down? Exactly. Like those thoughts that constantly run through your head you as it. an yep. entrepreneur, as a business owner, 
that happens to everybody. Yeah. I don't care if you've got a one man show or you've got a thousand people underneath you. In the back of your head, some of those thoughts are still running through. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's what happens if everything blows up tomorrow. Right. So it's very real. It's real. It's a real possibility. <laughs> yeah. It's a real possibility <laughs> yeah. that yeah. anyone who does anything within owning a business has to think about. So then you hit the 16 year mark, had that phone call. What was the next move for you after that? I had no idea. <laughs> okay. No clue. Um, I was, the whole plan was I was going to take a year off and relax, um, reevaluate, um, do some research about something new. I mean, you know, for all your entrepreneurs out there listening, being an entrepreneur, you're okay or pretty good at a lot of things, but you're not an expert in any of it. So doing yeah. what you do for a living, I can't go do what you do for a living. You know, I, it, that's the difficulty thing. Um, but I remember, you know, you had T Brown on, on with you. And I remember I went to lunch with him right after I sold. And he said, what you have is you just got your master's degree without having a master's degree. You know so much about, you know, I was kind of selling myself short. Well, maybe, my gosh, what am I going to do? Yeah. Um, and luckily, I've, you know, since landed in the perfect role for me. But uh, it was very confusing. But also, I, I really I had some great advice for some people. And they're like, don't work, just sit back. Don't you, you earned it and sit there. And you said you're going to give yourself 12 months, take 12 months. And so that's really what I tried to do. Now, in the meantime, I mean, I went, uh, I, I got a little bored and uh, I went and uh, uh, worked for Stephen Hightower when he opened up uh, City Pork at LSU. Uh, I did that for him for about three or four months. And then I, <laughs> then I went and sold. You must have been really bored yeah, to go work I in the restaurant that. industry. Uh, my, one of my best friends in the world was yelling at me because I wasn't doing my job right. <laughs> no, uh, I did that for a little while. I went, uh, I went and sold uh, running shoes for Varsity Sports, Absolutely. which was great. Um, and then also went to Maxwell's Market and became a butcher. Not a really good butcher, but a butcher. <laughs> a butcher I, nonetheless. Right. I, I learned how to do some things. And that was great. And I was working three or four hours a day for a year. And, um, and in the meantime, I was just trying to figure out what the next step was. Wow. So you, you had a, a year of a break, but not completely not off. Not completely off. Yeah. Which yeah. I, I think is, I know in my head, I could not fathom a concept where you're not working all the time. Right. Like, you know, where you have a full year off, you know, right. you're not doing so much and you know, you sounds like you had the same thing. You were like, Oh, it sounds like a great idea. A week later, you're like, okay, yeah, you kind of need to get back yeah. to it. Well, it's that guilt factor too. It's 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 everything wrapped. You know, I, I got to get back to work. I got to figure out what the next step is. Yeah, and you know, and then it becomes that self evaluation of what do I really want to do? Right, and that's hard for people to figure out. You know. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, Mark Cuban always said, you know, Mark Cuban is the Absolutely. owner of the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, and I've always, this has always stuck with me. Uh, don't follow your dreams, follow your efforts. So my dream is to be a guitar player in a rock band. Well, I don't 
That's never going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I mean, so it could. Why, it it could. So my efforts are in um, connecting people and promotions and things like that and PR and stuff like that. So that's what I started to think about, you know, a lot. Yeah, because you could have <clears throat> a dream, but you may hate the process of right. accomplishing the dream. Right. And I think that's, you know, that's perfect. Like, where do you spend, where do you want to spend 90% of your time? That's what you should chase. Right, right. Right, you should find, okay, I enjoy, like you said, enjoy doing PR, enjoy connecting people. Then do that and take the time to figure out, is it really what you want to do? Right. And so you had this year of kind of, I guess, was it a finding yourself year or was it a reinventing yourself? Year? Well, that's a good question. So for sure, it was a reinventing of myself. And that... um that sounds like I'm not trying to be sounding grandiose. Well, at yeah, all, but, you, but you spent 16 years doing something. It, you just and then and you it, take a hard and you, you think a hard about, turn. Um, are people that were my customers are they going to accept me whether I'm selling real estate or you know whatever else I'm doing? I mean, that's really weird for people to wrap their heads around. Do they like, like you were the product? Right, and so uh, it's kind of like I don't know if you. Did you did you listen to that, read the Matthew McConaughey book? It's really interesting. I, I have not. And yet. one of the things that he said, I related to. Now, Grant, this is not me being grandiose, but I'd related to the fact when Matthew McConaughey was always known as the rom com guy, and he said one day he said, "I'm not doing it anymore." And so he got this call from one of his director producers, and it offered five million dollars to do this rom com. He's like, "Nope." And then it went up to $7.5 million. And he said, nope. It went up to $14.5 million to do another shirtless beer-drinking guy running down the beach. And he said, I'm not doing it. And everybody thought, you know, he, you're crazy. And um, he, his whole point was he was trying to reinvent himself. And so the phone didn't ring for two or three years. And he was, you know, he was worried. What? Uh, can I continue to live this lifestyle? But then people started accepting the fact, and then he does like Dallas Buyers Club and all these serious roles. And now he's not the rom-com guy. He's a serious actor. I, again, that sounds like not relating that to Michael Hackett. I'm just saying that right. I related that concept to that. as a whole. Like, A, you need to take time off and figure out what you really want, really want to do. Mm -hmm. And is there a spot for you? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I do recall now an interview he did where he told that story. Yeah. But it's 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 what a lot of people personally can you know kind of reflect on. Okay, I went to college for this. Do I have to do this? You know, I went and worked in this career for twenty years. Do I have to maintain that for the next twenty, or can I make a hard pivot and people still appreciate and want to work with me? Am I always going to be known for this one thing? Or will people know me for me and allow me to expand expand my reach and try something new? Yeah. Which clearly you did because you're still here. You're still yeah. doing stuff. So what was that that pivotal moment or that next move into something different? Well, there was two things that kind of coincided together. One thing was I was I decided on doing research for a franchise. I wanted to do some type of cool, healthy franchise. I went and looked and um I have a business partner who told me about what he was looking at called uh, Main Squeeze Juice Company. And and I just fell in love with this brand. Um, it is just a fun, um, organic, uh, vegan, 
everything buzzword nowadays, it's it. And it's fun and it's cool. And so that was something that I could get in with a business partner. Um, I knew I didn't, after being an entrepreneur on my own, I didn't want to do it again by myself. Right. That was a big thing. Um, it, it's, it can be lonely. Yeah, it, it, entrepreneurs can get depressed and lonely yeah. very fast. Yeah. Because you are, it's just you. You're the, the buck stops here. Yeah. <clears throat> but there's also the flip side that some people can thrive on being the lone wolf, being the lone go-getter, yeah. and they want to do the next thing, and they're like, oh, yeah, I will never yeah. do it with somebody else again. Or you get this where it's, no, I really need somebody. I needed somebody. I mean, luckily, before I had my wife, but we're basically one part. I mean, we you, 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 know, you can't take it home with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I wanted somebody like they're – there's a, this uh, this proverb that says, uh, "Shared sorrow is half the sorrow. Shared joy is double the joy." Yeah. So that's the way I look at. I want to share something great with somebody, and then not feel as bad when something goes <laughs> wrong because I got somebody else to share that with. Yeah. And when you're an entrepreneur, I think sometimes you always feel the sorrow. But when I had joy or when I had success. I, I took it for granted and said, well, this is where I'm supposed to be. Well, this is what was supposed to happen. And that's really not the case. If you have winning moments, you really need to learn to pat yourself on the back, but keep on moving forward. And that's hard for entrepreneurs because you look at your pro forma and you say, oh, I'm still not there. Or that's where I was supposed to be, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that was one thing huge I wanted somebody to share this with other than, other than my wife. Right. You know? It's like you said, you can't, there's some stuff you just can't, you don't want to take back to the home because even though it is only half the sorrow, yeah. half the sorrow is still, still a lot, a lot, of, lot sorrow. of sorrow. That's right. You right. know, and it's, it, it can be that, that lonely point when you have to take on all the sorrow at a time yeah. because people only see what you put out there. Right. You know, whatever you present to people, whether it be on media or off media in real life, there is only visible to them with what they see at that point in time. But for you, you're living it 24 seven. You know, you're living that good, that bad, that ugly Mm -hmm. 24 seven, whatever it is. And you're not out there, you know, as an entrepreneur, you don't want to constantly boast about a failure. I mean, what, what entrepreneur wants to say, Oh, I did this, you know, they talk about it once they've had success. Right. But going through it and saying, oh, yeah, I've, you know, right now we're in the hole really bad. <laughs> it's a really bad situation. Right. You know, someone's going to read that and say, oh, sorry. Right. You know, right. That's those end up being you, the you, best stories when you come out. When, when, you, when them, you come out of it, it's awful. And during it, it's it's really tough to sit there and sit down and tell somebody, you know, yeah, I'm struggling. Yeah. You know, yeah, we're in we've been in the hole for the last six months and I'm almost out of cash. Yeah. You know, I'm going to have to close doors yeah. in a month if, I, if stuff doesn't pick up. You know, if I don't work harder, if I don't get out there and make the brand do what it want, what I want it to do, we're, we're closing shop yeah. next month. You know, yeah. we can't. It's that entrepreneur weight again. It's all on me. At the end of the day, I can't, you know, while I may have a great team in place, they're here to get the paycheck. Right. I'm here to make sure that paycheck still exists. Exactly. Yeah. And it gets tough. It's tough. But yeah. then when it's a high, it's a high. It's a high. And you can ride it and you'll love telling people. You go get on interviews and sit down and have all these great conversations with people. So I can see that want to add somebody 
for round two. Yeah, so, for sure. And, and so you bought into the franchise. What was what was that experience like buying into something that was already created? Um, it was, well, the hard work or what I thought was a hard work was done. I, mean, I really didn't know or didn't know anything about squeezing juices or making smoothies or acai bowls or anything like that. Um, that's the beauty of it. I was able to go to a three-day training, and I felt like I knew everything. <laughs> you know, um, <clears throat> they put a pretty good package together yeah, they, for the franchisees. They do, a, they do a good job. So that was that was wonderful. And then um, th- what's cool is um, the the CEO and then their passion for the product is evident. So that's really cool. Um, I um, I've enjoyed it. You know. Um, it is different. It's completely different than than what I'm used to, um, and sometimes it's difficult not being able to call the shots. But there's a reason, you know. There's a reason I have it because it works. So, yeah, uh, it's it's been a really great learning experience, and um, I'm amazed at what I lacked as an entrepreneur was technology, complete organization, um, knowing up to the second where you stand in labor costs, inventory, people walking in the door, happy customers, not so happy customers. I mean, up to the second, um, the technology is unbelievable. And I think it's really cool. It's really cool to have. It's great to have as an owner um, or even yeah. a manager to know exactly, um, hey, look, we're not having a great day at our labor percentage. So let's send some people home. And you can see that labor percentage immediately go up to the second. Right. Really and cool that, stuff. Ha- having access to that data when you need it most. I never had that. huge. No. And as, as a, and a single owner entrepreneur, it's tough to get that if you don't even know about right. it, right? You know, if you don't even know right. this technology is available for relatively less than you may initially have thought. Right. You know, because it's, as an entrepreneur, you may think, oh, I got to get this great big tech, but these big corporations spend, you know, tens and thousands and twenties mm-hmm. of thousands of dollars to make it happen. I was like, oh no, you could actually use some stuff for like a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, it's you know? pretty cool. And it would make your day flow so much better. Yeah, yeah. And it's knowing that data, analyzing that data, able to push forward. Right. So you you got into this. It was, it's almost like I feel like when you when you buy into a franchise, you get like a jump start of a business, right? Yeah. It's like you have all this stuff, this name, the recognition, mm-hmm. this brand, this three day training, and it's like, all right, go go and be fruitful, right? Yeah. So what was the first couple of days looking like? Where, was there ever a point you got to where you're like, oh, well, I don't have to be here every day? Um, yeah, well, well, this is ironically, at the, at the time that we opened, that's when I was diagnosed with cancer. So I wasn't there <laughs> uh, every day. I wasn't there for a full year. And so that was a whole nother wrench in the system. But luckily, we've had some outstanding employees and managers that have really just, um, you know, and with the technology, you can, I mean, I don't recommend it for everybody, but it, it's been, right. it works for us where my business partner, and I can do our own thing and still have a successful uh, business. Yeah. Um, and we give our manager the ability and trust. And trust is a huge it. factor. And, you know, again, we, we're just really lucky. That's not the way I would recommend others. But we're just lucky with, you know, with what we have. Yeah. And so yeah. you had this this really big wrench thrown into your plans. Hmm. I don't think anybody ever anticipates anything medical suddenly coming up. 
and just making that hard wall stop. How did you, how, how'd you get through all that? Um, I don't, you know, um, well, you don't have a choice, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, w- what happened was that I, um, had a colonoscopy and they found some irregular irregularities. And so, um, after that, a week later, I had a, what's called a colon resection where they take it out, put it back together. And then, then they find out that, um, I had stage three cancer because it had spread to lymph nodes. And so then you have chemo. So once, uh, the surgery is six weeks and then the chemo is the, is the hard part. At least it was for me. Um, that you just don't feel like doing anything. Yeah. And it was um, about, it ended up being almost a full year. Oh, you know, seven months of chemo, uh, two months of recovery, and then a little little while after that. So almost a whole year before you're kind of feeling back to normal. Wow. So. And so you come off of this recovery and you still have that business in place. Yeah. But even more so, you start having this urge to give back. For sure. I mean, that was the big thing when you, you know, when you go through something like that, um, what you thought was important is just not that important. And then you see, you know, especially in Baton Rouge, um, you see what the facilities like are here, in particular Mary Bird Perkins, where I was treated. Um, I mean, I I just can't say enough amazing things um, about how I was treated, how others were treated. It just goes on and on. And so I really wanted to get involved and try to help. I mean, it's, um, I tell people all the time that, you know, you're so, when you're going through chemo, like I was telling you earlier, it really kind of messes with your head a little bit. At least it did mine. Right. Um, Extremely emotional, um, just grateful and thankful. Um, But for me, I, I kept a journal and I've never kept a journal in my life. And so I read that journal a lot now because I do a lot of speaking for Mary Bird sometimes. And I would do anything to remember how um, emotional and spiritual I was back then as compared to today. I'm worrying about the same stuff I worried about four years ago. It probably don't matter that much. Yeah, and so I always try to remind myself that's where you need to get back to. That's where you need to get back to. Um, right when you when you have those, the through difficult times, your vision becomes clearer. Mm-hmm. You're able to see what actually matters and what actually is important to not only you but to your family. And then when you're out of those difficult times. It's so easy to slip back in. Oh yeah, slip back into those those older ways. Right, you know those right. the past ways of of yourself, which is you couldn't you couldn't help because you didn't you know you didn't have that that clarity. Right. And so going through stuff like that is almost this this vision is able to see. Oh wait, you're telling me that this person cutting me off in traffic really doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> like no, just just being in a car and driving is what matters. Right. Right. Being alive is what matters. Right. Right. Not the little things we tend to get, you know, let our whole day get ruined. Right. right? You know, right. if if you are heading to work and like your coffee or your drink spills on you, your day's toast. Right. right. But it's really not that it, big. Of a it's deal. not that big of a deal. <laughs> right. You have to be able to right. look past that and say, OK, no, that's not a big deal. Yeah. Let me keep moving forward. Yeah. And so you did just that. Now you're, you know, 
uh, speaking for Mary Bird Perkins, you're advi- you're going out in the community for them. What what exactly are you doing with for a, a consultant for um in the um, development fundraising area? Okay. Um, um, just trying to get more or less a lot of men um, are a my age uh, anywhere from thirty to say fifty five engaged in their health and so that's kind of my role and i've also i also get to reach out to people and and see how they're doing and it's just great i mean um i love doing it i love i mean um cancer is is a awful disease but I, i love talking to people that are either going through it or have been through it because you see a spark in them um, that you just don't find in the the everyday person, and it's really incredible. Yeah, they have yeah. that. It's almost like their their lens are lifted, and yeah. they really like love life. Yeah, yeah. You know? it's inspiring. I really, really enjoy it. Yeah. So how how did you go from you know franchise to Mary Bird to now you're you're back with GMFS? Yeah, yeah. How'd you get reconnected and kind of go back to doing what you're doing? Um, really, just luck, I think. Um, just talking through ideas with some of my my good friends that work there and um, knowing what GMFS represents from a community outreach standpoint um, and then knowing what hopefully I can bring to the table along with that. You know, it was kind of a, a marriage made in heaven because, as you know, GMFS gives so much back to Mary Bird. Um, and so it it kind of goes hand in hand, at least with that aspect of it. And so, um, again, we, we go back to my love of connecting people and then promotions and, and connecting people with businesses that I love or care for, you know, people that I care for. Um, it just, it just seems to work, you know, and uh, luckily, I get the freedom to work on Mary Bird as well uh, as a consultant and then do my job at, at um, GMFS as well with the community outreach. Yeah, because you're, you're in a, <clears throat> a unique situation that is kind of almost like an ideal entrepreneur, a post-entrepreneur, a post-business owner setup, right? You've got a, a business that you own as a franchisee that you get that entrepreneurial spirit, mm-hmm. but you also have the freedom outside of a nine to five restriction mm-hmm. to go and do consulting work for Mary Bird and do so many other things in the community that it almost feels a little bit free. And it's like that that entrepreneurial drive is being met. Yeah. You know, it's not being boxed in by, you know, if T would have come to you and said, all right, Michael, we love what you're doing. You got to switch, you got to quit doing this. And you got to quit mm-hmm. doing that. Mm-hmm. We need you here full time. Right. You know, that kind of probably would have been a different story. It is. And I think, you know, Having a creative mind, it, it would be difficult for me to, I mean, I need that to kind of fuel me, to kind of keep me going yeah. and look around and see what's going on in the community without, you can't know what's going on in the community if you're in a cubicle all day. 100%. And so um, I really try to, you know, keep my ear to the ground and see what's going on, meet with people. There's so many people in Baton Rouge doing awesome things. And so... um you know, it just starts with the conversation, which is, again, what I love to do. Having coffee with somebody and talking about what their ideas are for whether it's being an entrepreneur or helping people out. We need help here. You know? Yeah. 
And you, you often, again, tend to find situations and problems you didn't, you didn't even know existed. Right. You know, you may not have even given a second thought to someone's problem when you, until you sit down and have coffee with them and say, oh, we're struggling here. We need some help here. Yeah. Yep. You know, and it's being able to get people to be accepting and vulnerable in that manner and say, hey, what can I do to help? What do you need? Yeah, for sure. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah. And it's great. It's fun. I mean, for me, it's fun. Yeah. To be able to help. Which has now led to something that's kind of new and on the horizon. Well, it's here, it's happening, but it's not widely spoken about in a manner that it needs to be, which is with Clean Pelican. Right. So what is Clean Pelican? So Clean Pelican is a new 501c3 that we started recently. Luckily, um, so in my role as community development, uh, outreach community development, um. I was starting to take notice. Uh, I mean, like I said, I'm always looking around, see what's going on. I was starting to take notice of these ladies um, that started Keep Tiger Town Beautiful, Jennifer Richardson and Glenda Pollard, and uh, they were they were doing these trash pickups. And I was like, I gotta go. I gotta go. So one Sunday, I sent a Facebook message. I didn't have either one of their phone numbers. I said, What do y'all need? I, um, I can, you know, GMFS has given me the ability to get y'all some grabbers, some trash grabbers, some contractor bag. What do y'all need? So I brought some stuff out there. We met at uh, Burden Lane on Essen. A Burden, not Burden Lane, Essen Lane, but it's Burden um, Manor. Um, okay. Uh, right there by the interstate. And um, uh, I just started picking up trash with these people. And it was an hour and a half of Believe it or not, it was fun. Uh, I got to meet a bunch of new people I never would have met. Um, it was completely instant gratification. You're seeing what you're doing right there in front of you. People would stop, honk the horn, yell, thank you. Um, thank you. Who are you? Why are you doing this? And I was like, this is incredible. So shortly after that, I got a call from... Um, uh, Glenda Pollard and Johanna Landrino, um, who were starting up Clean Pelican, and they asked me to be the chairman. And um, I just thought this is a great opportunity for not only me, but also for GMFS to be, you know, on the forefront of something like this. And it's not because, as you know, the philosophy there is it's not because we're tooting our own horn. That is the last thing. It's because we want to be leaders and we want other companies and other people to follow suit. And I can tell you that we want Clean Pelican to be the biggest trash picker-upper 501c3 there is. But if you want to start your own, by all means, get your neighborhood together, come join us, form your own group, go join um, keep Tiger Town beautiful. Let's, I mean, it, this is so important on so many levels. And so, um, really, I'm really passionate about it. We've got an extremely passionate board. And it's just, we just got to, we got to get this thing going in the right direction. Yeah. It's not the, like, you know, like <clears throat> with GMFS and with Keep Pelican, you know, Keep Atmosphere Beautiful is not just focused on that one company, you know, clean Pelican is not going out there saying, no, we're just us. We got to be the biggest and baddest. No one else can join no. us. It's look, yeah. we understand that we are a community 
we all live through what we live through. We all know the situation. We all know when we drive around town and we see trash. We know it's not an appealing place to look. You right. know, you don't want to drive around and see, you know, just garbage all over the streets. It's not an attractive town. It's not an attractive city. Someone exiting off I-10 is not going to want to stop and say, oh, right. there's, you know, a lot of trash in this town. Maybe I'll stick around. Right. Maybe I'll stay around and, you know, see what happens. Right. But even more than that, you sent me a letter that y'all are writing and sending around. Mm -hmm. The focus on the flooding that's right. been happening of recent light that everybody can take to heart and understand what's going through. Absolutely. Of one of the problems with that is the trash. Right. And how it clogs the waterways, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, it. it's probably not the number one factor, but it's probably, it's up there top five for sure in, in our problem. Um, and so, you know, back to what you were saying, imagine these guys, or let's just take LSU and Southern football, for example. You got people flying into Baton Rouge and we want to make this place look as great as possible to fans from Alabama, Georgia, wherever, and, and impress them. And I don't think we're doing a good job of it. And so we need to look at ourselves in the mirror and figure out what we need. This is just one thing we can do. And it's so easy. So easy. It's so easy. I um, Anyone can literally do it. Anybody can do it. You know, back to the Pets Plaza days, we were fortunate enough um, 15 years ago to be asked by the Baton Rouge Area Foundation to help start up dog rescue called Yelp BR. And so um, I was on the board and we, we helped get that started. And 15 years ago, and I, I, I've told this story several times, we had a huge stray dog population in Baton Rouge, huge. We did not treat our animals very well either. Um, and what that group did and Friends of the Animals, and there's a, several more, what all those groups did it changed the culture on how we look at stray animals in Baton Rouge. And it did it in less than 10 years. And so right now we do not have a stray animal problem. We have a wonderful shelter, which we didn't have back then. And it took all these people pushing in the same direction. And I know stray animals and litter are very different. I'm not comparing the two, but right. if you get enough people pushing in the right direction, <clears throat> I'm telling you, in five years, we can clean up Baton Rouge. We can make it pretty, but we, you know, we got to stop dumping your McDonald's bag out the window. I mean, and then picking up where you see it needs. But we need we need garbage cans everywhere. Um, so that's kind of our role. Our our our, our slogan is love, not litter. Um, we want, you know, this is about loving your city, loving each other, all surrounded by a nasty thing called litter. And uh, we're going to do it. Yeah. And it's it's community driven. It's focused on getting the growth as a community around it. You know, like you said, it's it, it's tough to tell someone, hey, start doing this. And in five years, you'll see the benefits. Right. Right. That's a hard sell. Right. 
that's a hard sell for anybody. Say, hey, do this for five years, and then you'll see something good. Right, that's true. You know, it, yeah. it's <clears throat> it's hard enough as it is to tell somebody, hey, work out for six months, right. and then you'll see improvement, <laughs> right. you know? That's why gym memberships go up in January <laughs> and down in March. <laughs> right. You know, it's just, it's hard to see and hard to sell. Keep doing this time and time again, and you're gonna see micro strides. Right. You're gonna see micro strides in the short term. But like you said, when you take a look back, great example with the stray animals. You know, it's you take a look back at time. Oh, 10 years ago, nobody remembers it now mm-hmm. because they're all accustomed to what it is today. Right. But if you talk to somebody who was active in it, they can list how many hours and days, weeks, years it took them to get it to where the point's right. at now. It doesn't happen overnight. It reminds me so much of that. Um because at the time when we started Yelp, we, we, we really thought we were only people doing this. Well, two weeks later, there were all these organizations doing it. That's what you're going to see. Clean Pelican is what we're talking about now. I guarantee you in a month, there's going to be all of these other organizations, which is awesome. That's yeah, what that's we want. That's the point. That's the point. Um, but we just got to push in the right direction. And, I mean, like you said, flooding. I mean, not other than the, the, than the way it looks, but flooding. I mean, we don't have a choice. Yeah. I mean, because you, you, you have to you have to think about where that one piece of trash is going to end up. Right? right. So and I'm by no means am I an engineer or understand any of the drainage systems. Right. But it's just common thought. If you drop a light piece of trash and then it rains, that piece of trash will float down the road and find the nearest exit. Right. Which are the drainage canals. Right. And then they're going to end up in the drainage canals. And over time, it's going to be a compounding effect. Right. You're going to have then one piece of trash, two pieces of trash, and then you're going to be thousands of pounds of trash floating through there, clogging the system yeah. up, which your letter lays out how clogged up some of the systems are right. and the need that is there. I mean, what was that, that, that photo that went viral in the community of the watershed? Yeah, it's crazy. It's like, it, it looks like a floating sea of, of you know, plastic Just, bottles. It's awful, yeah. And so doing one step at a time, one day at a time, can enormously have an impact later on. Right. But how do we go about and sell that? Right. And, you know, how do we sell to people, oh, yeah, do one step a day, and on five years we'll see a benefit. Right. It's, and, look, there's it's people rough. working on it. Marie Constantine, there's some other people that are working diligently, um, you know, in, in the waterways uh, that are really trying to get this right. We're just focused on the streets. In fact, um, Clean Pelican – adopted where we are right now we we went through dotd and adopted perkins road from acadian to college okay so on june 12th we'll be out here parked and we're gonna have hopefully 30 40 50 people picking up trash and that'll be a great start to our to our campaign and we'll do it several times a month not only here but in other places um we we went through dotd because um, just of the rules and regulations and, um, you know, things that we can follow. And, uh, right. And uh, we were all trained on, on their rules and stuff like that for safety. We want people to be safe. Um, but you'll find, you know, I, I would love for people to come. We've, college Drive, when the traffic's bad, like I said, people are honking their horn, thanking you. Like, who are you? I mean, it is amazing after you talk to people. They're like, oh, yeah. Well, you know, and I was the same way. Yeah, we need to do something. Well, we need to do something means you need to do something. <clears throat> yeah. You need to do something. Like, we all need to do something. Because it's not happening without us. 
as citizens. A hundred percent. And it can, you know, kind of having even a more holistic approach of how do we solve the problem? How do we get people to stop throwing stuff out of their cars, dumping stuff out of their bags? Right. I mean, there's been times when I've been sitting at a red light and people will open their doors and just oh, yeah. dump a bag on the ground. Right. I'm like, what are you what doing? What are you doing? Right. Why are you doing this? Right. You know, and in in my mind, I'm like, if I know, you know, like you like you said, the the McDonald's bag as an example. If I know my clientele are a leading contributor to a problem, why not incentivize them to come back and get a discount off? Exactly, I love that. If I McDonald's say, hey, look, bring your trash back to the restaurant, yeah, and we'll give you ten percent off your whole order. Name a percent, name yeah. a price, name a yeah. dollar figure, whatever it may be. But giving that incentive to your clientele that you know contribute to the problem. Gas stations. If yep. I'm a gas station and I know when people finish their, you know, your, your tall cooler and you just throw it out, come back, bring that empty cooler. We'll give you a fresh one. And now you're getting instead of whatever right. the price is percent off, you know, whatever the problem is, if you shop at a grocery store, whatever it is, right. bring that trash back to the store in which you purchased. We'll give you a discount and we're going to help solve the root of the problem. The root of the problem of people throwing stuff out of the window. Right. Yep. You nailed it. And that's what we want to do. We want to influence, like we, I think you and I talked about this. We want to influence businesses and recognize the businesses that are really doing a great job. 100%. You know, highlighting them, saying, hey, look, these look what this business is yes. doing. There are several of them out there that are serious about it. And so we want to recognize those people and encourage other businesses to do the same. Yeah. And if, sure. we, if we take these steps now in five, 10 years, we'll have a much better looking city, yeah. much more attractive city. And we can begin to look at other problems right. that are, you know, just so prevalent within our community and, litter and make is, it better. Like you, litter is just one small step, but it's like when you take care of your house, guess what happens? It, it, it starts to feel better outside of your house and outside of your neighborhood and outside into the city. It, this is such a metaphor for what could be huge. You know, if we just start here, and I know it sounds silly, but I am convinced if you, we need to start taking pride in ourselves and our city and watch what happens. 100%. Like you, but not overnight, but not it's going to happen. Day to time. And right. we got Glenda Pollard on the Facebook oh, Live good. saying, Hello, love, not litter. <laughs> Thank you, Glenda, for reaching Thank out and, and making that comment. So, Michael, as we start to kind of wrap up the show, uh, we've got a couple of questions we like to ask each episode. And one of those is, if what is something you did as a kid you wished you could still do today? Um, I, you know, going to football games with my dad and my grandpa. Okay. That was, you know, as a kid walking out to Tiger Stadium. And then when you walk under the tunnels for all the suites and all the fancy stuff, we sat on the, I don't remember, 10 yard line, a third of the way up on the east side. Uh, in one of those portals that are right above where you walk out, the little, I don't know what they're called, but I'll never forget that. And especially the first game of the season, seeing that green grass and that painted tiger field for the first time of the season. But it was just awesome. I just, for some reason, I always remember that uh, with my dad and my grandpa. I, I wish I could that. do that again. Yeah, that's, those those sporting event memories always yeah. kind of, hit harder than yeah. harder home for everybody. So what are you, you've had a, a wide 
career so far? I mean, you've had starting out, you know, working for your family business, moving out, working for somebody else, moving back, going backwards, what some people might view in your career to only then take that step forward to start your own business. Then you move into franchising. Then you get hit with a brick wall with cancer. You beat that. Now you go to a consult and now you're out in the community doing great things, giving back, trying to build it as a better. What are three lessons you've learned over this course of your life and everything that you've done? Um, I, for sure, perseverance, especially <laughs> being an entrepreneur. Like 100%. I mean, you don't have a choice. Um, so perseverance, one, I think, and this is the biggest thing for me, um, you cannot compare yourself or your road or your journey to anyone else. Because there's some people you're never going to catch up with. If you think making the most money is the best thing in the world, you're always going to be striving to be something else because you're never going to get there. And there's probably somebody looking at you thinking that. So, and then keep your nose to the grindstone and don't look like, don't like goes back to don't, com don't compare yourself to other people. You, my journey is different than yours. It's, mine's not better. Yours not better. Mine's it's not different. worse. Is yours not worse. It's just different. And so, being yourself and accepting whatever God's plan is for you, uh, having that, knowing that, um, you know, it's all going to work out. All you have to do is be honest and try your hardest. That's all you have to do. Hundred so, percent. Give it, give it your all, and strive to be a better version of yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't right. try to. You phrase that perfectly. Don't try to be somebody else or be like somebody else because you'll never achieve it. Yep. You'll constantly be chasing that because as soon as you get that person, you want something. You want to be somebody else. Right. But if you constantly try to better evolve who you are than you when you woke up this morning, if you can go to bed a better person than you woke up, to me, yep. you're doing something right. Yeah. Yep. So, what do you love about Baton Rouge? Um. The standard answer is friends, family, and food. Yeah, friends, family, food. Music. Um, little big town. Right, right. So I'm not going to say that. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what. I liked what your previous guest, Flynn Foster, said. Potential. Mm -hmm. So the potential is there. And so we got to recognize it and, uh, and go after it and fix. Some, well, there's a lot we got to fix. But we have a huge potential and a huge upside. And I think with stuff like Clean Pelican and what others are doing in the community to help out, giving back to others, um, it's going to get there. We just we, get, we all got to kind of refocus and get back to what is best for, for Baton Rouge and so the potential. I love it. And then for the final question, what can I do to help? Well, like T. Brown said to you, you're doing everything <laughs> the right way, man. Um, you've already helped me tremendously. I've enjoyed uh, our friendship. So I'm, I've enjoyed getting to yeah, know man. you. It's been a lot of fun. It has. So you don't need to do anything for me. Just <laughs> keep well, on doing what you're we, doing. We are going to be doing some fun trivia this summer out of Point Marie. And so we're going to do what we can to give back to Clean Pelican, as well as various other charitable organizations of 5-1-C-3s. Yes. So 
We're gonna I hope do Glenda's it. still listening, so Glenda can come to the uh, yeah. Glenda, clean if you're doing something, you know, this Thursday, come out uh, to Point Marie for some trivia, seven o'clock. But thank you, Michael, Thanks, for man. coming on, man. I really appreciate it, and I appreciate everybody else for watching and tuning, as well as our lovely two sponsors, Triton Stone Group. It is a family-owned, women-run business right here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I've got a location here on North Baton Rouge, and they are a more than a granite company, they're going to be a company that's going to be with you every step of the way through the construction or renovation process. They're going to help you accomplish what you want with carefully curated selection. They're there every step of the way. Give them a call and let them know that Patty G sent you, as well as our second sponsor, Falaya Real Estate. They are a local startup here in Baton Rouge. They are changing the game of selling your home. Whether you want to go through a real estate agent and have that one-on-one -on -one connection and communication with someone all the time, they're there for you as well. Or if you just want to do it the do it your way and have it one person, one stop, and you want to do it all yourself, they have that option as well. Again, give them a call and let them know that Patty G sent you. And y'all, thank y'all so very much for listening or watching whatever platform it is you are consuming this. I am your host, Patty G, here with Michael Hackett. Thank you so much again, Michael. Appreciate it. Glad to have you on. Thank and you. with that, uh, we're a wrap. We'll see y'all next time, everybody. This is Patty G signing out. Y'all have a good one.